Traveling the Vortex. Stewarts as they travel the vortex and arrive at episode number 387. Watch out for the space rabies. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Jet lagged. <laughs> so you've been traveling. Been traveling a lot. Where'd you go? Uh, first to Kansas City and then to Las Vegas and then back to Kansas City. <laughs> Mel had a much more interesting go of it than I did. What'd you um, do? Why'd you go to Vegas? Um, the company. Sent me to uh, Promax, which is a big uh, industry convention, to learn about promotions. Promotions! I learned some things about promotions. <laughs> I do. You learned how to promote things? Yeah. Does you that... got a little something out of it, right? I learned there how not a... to promote things, that's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it, was, it was worth the company dollar then, right? Yes and no. It's frustrating because I, I get where they're going with it, and because... Because of we're in a smaller market with a smaller station with a smaller staff, consequently, a lot of what they do does not apply to me. Yeah, it's just not my, it's not my thing. When they're talking about we have a promotions department just for our newscasts, and there's a whole department full of people right. running around doing it versus just me and Dave, it's like, eh, must well, be nice. Two of you are a, depart- a department. Yeah, not really, because <laughs> <laughs> we don't even do much in the, the news actual promotion end. Most of the time, they're cutting their own promos. Maybe that's not a good idea. I don't know. That kind of fell under the how not to do it in my mind. <laughs> but And then there was a, a Gray, which is the parent company that owns all the stations that we fall under. Um, they had a Gray meeting, so everybody went from all these different stations. They had a thing. And that was cool, but at the same time, it's was like, most of this could have been handed out in an email. <laughs> but if you really want to fly me to Vegas to give me this information, okay, I'll go. <laughs> so I can't complain. And then we got a couple of... Um, couple of fun things in while we were out there we uh we saw O finally which is a Cirque du Soleil, Cirque du Soleil. and it's regarded as the best one it's very very good I can see why it's regarded as the best one Beale's Love is still my favorite but uh but it was very impressive and we also saw Michael Jackson's one I was hoping you saw that was that pretty good it's good it's really vastly different for Cirque show it has elements of Cirque, because, I mean, they've still got the trampoline bit and the rotating bit. There's not nearly as much circus stuff in it. It's much more of a dance review. Hmm. Now, it's Michael Jackson. Which makes so, sure. you know, sure. yeah. It's still good. Um, and watching, you know, 40 people on stage do the lean, that was cool. <laughs> but um, it wasn't really a Cirque show, you know. Yeah. I really hope the next thing you watched was two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one. <laughs> Too. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I did see Tag. It's good. It's worth going to see. It's. Um, I kind of wish, and you can tell from the trailer that there are parts of it that they kind of go to the absurd and ridiculous lengths. You know, when Jeremy Renner's diving out windows and stuff to avoid being, not closed ones, glass and all, to avoid being tagged. It's kind of like, okay. <laughs> I mean, you went there with it. That's, that's, that's fine. But I kind of wish they'd have just played a little more straight because they show some clips at the end of the movie of the real guys that the story's based on. Uh, and I almost feel like that would have been a more interesting movie. Hmm. But it is good. It's worth seeing. So, Anything else? Did a lot of walking again. <laughs> Vegas is so sprawled. That's kind of how you have to do it, though. I mean, it's 
best way transportation to still isn't the greatest, even with the monorail systems. Yeah, and, and we, we did buy bus passes and use the bus to kind of get around, but then you have to walk to the bus station or the bus stop, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and they never seem to stop exactly where you need them to. Keith, did you do anything this week? Uh, went and saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I did that too, I forgot. It was pretty good. It wasn't as enjoyable as the first Jurassic World, I think. I think part of it is the Lost World Syndrome. I want to see a Jurassic Park movie. I want to be on the island of dinosaurs, not come back to the mainland. Right, right. Where half the movie is back on the mainland, it's kind of like, oh, you took two movies and smished them together. It very much followed the Lost World template. Yeah. We're going to go do this, and then go do this, and then go do this. And And I felt like they rushed so much of the first half of it that they could have explored a lot more of what was going on there. And even so much fun and enjoyable. Oh, yeah. Johnny Quest. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then it went very dark, <laughs> which I was okay with. But it, I, I guess for the second half of the film, they couldn't make it its own standalone because then it would be like a horror movie. <laughs> and that doesn't... It's what it kind of looks like from some of the commercials. Yeah, it's, it, it kind of falls... It, it more and Like a monster in the house horror movie. Yeah. Not like a, you know, monster movie. Right. I don't think it's a particularly good Jurassic Park movie, but I think it was a, a fairly good and made, enjoyable monster movie. Yeah, and I enjoyed it. Uh, the more I thought about it after the fact, the more I did enjoy it. It just wasn't the best Jurassic Park movie. I think you're right. And then we had Gemma's bir- uh, birthday party yeah, yesterday. Had that it went really well. She uh, had some pizza and opened presents and was fairly into... She didn't want to necessarily open the presents, but she wanted to play with all of them as soon as I opened them for her. There you go. (laughs) So she had pretty good reactions to them. And then we did a smash cake where she actually picked at it and then really tore into it. She probably ate about a quarter of it, smashed up about a quarter of it, and left a half. So for a four-inch cake, round cake, pretty good. Cool. Yeah. Did you do anything, Glenn? Not much. I watched all of Luke Cage. Oh, week. I did start season two. Did you? How far have you gotten? I am in the middle of episode three. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, yeah. I won't say too much, but um, <laughs> I, really, I really dug the first two episodes. It. It. I. I thought it was really good, and then it waned a little bit, and then it got really good. It. Sometimes, if that would happen, I felt like they kind of tangented, or they didn't feel like this one kind of organically does it, and I think it works really well for it. And Alfie Woodard, my gosh, I wish she could get an Emmy for this. <laughs> She well, she's is good. the best thing. Well, she won't, unfortunately. Uh, um, but yeah, she is. She deserves an Emmy. She's so good. She. I think somebody said, uh, was it Simon Ford said the other day on Facebook yeah. uh, that the, uh, best, Marvel the best Marvel villain. I think I would agree. Hmm. My gosh, she's so good. Um, and then today, I didn't do much all week. Um, I was actually off two weeks ago uh, on vacation. Just stayed home, didn't do much. And then this week, went back to work. Yeah, uh, happy belated birthday. Yeah, my birthday we was a couple weeks ago. In fact, uh, Keith got one of me got me a gift, and he got me a uh, 1,000 piece Disney puzzle. So, which I'm excited for because Holly and I were just saying the other day we were ready to put another puzzle together. <laughs> so now we've got one. Um, and then today we went over because, as I'd mentioned, it's the first day you could legally do fireworks uh, in the city, and uh, we usually get together with my parents. But I'm working on the fourth, so. We went in and did some today. Had a cookout beforehand and then did, did some fireworks tonight. So that's pretty much my week. Fun, fun. Yeah, good stuff. Well, should we move on to news? Let's. There is a lot of news. First up, BBC has announced a new composer, yeah, new composer for Series 11. 
Sigun Ekinola. Did I say that right? I have no idea. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> then yes. I should have done then some yes, research. Yes, but you I said it right. So that's and if you didn't, it. someone uh, will let us know. Yes. <laughs> we're we're going to fault in the uh, yes, you did. So that's exciting. Plus, uh, he's going to obviously rework the opening theme in addition to score all of Series 11. I've heard there's some of his work out on SoundCloud right now. People have been listening to it and really raving about it. So I'm going to have to give it a listen and see yeah. what I think. Uh, so he's worked on some other things like uh, BBC Two's landmark four-part series, Black and British, A Forgotten History. Um, and he was a part of the BAFTA Breakthrough Brit program in 2017. Oh, okay. So He's a rather he, newcomer then. Huh? up-and-coming guy. Very good. Never worked with uh, Chibnall before, from what I understand. So hmm. a new partnership. Cool. That's exciting. I look forward to hearing what he's going to do. Titan Comics has also announced the details of a 13th Doctor comic debut this fall, which is going to be the 13th Doctor Volume Zero, The Many Lives of Doctor Who. So it's going to be a look back at the Doctor's many lives leading directly into the 13th Doctor comic series. So it's going to step through each incarnation as she supposedly remembers new stories of what happened. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. It's going to be a 64-page edition special comic. Oh, wow. So it's going to be a lot of really short ones, but big size for a comic. Sure. Super edition. Yeah. Very cool. We like those super annuals of the uh, old days. Yes. Yeah. It's all a part of the 13th Doctor comic line, which includes the launch of issue one in October and Doctor Who Comics Day in November. So they moved Doctor Who Comics Day to launch with the new 13th Doctor Comics oh, series. Very cool. So this one will come out in September. Other news? Big Finish announced next unit box set, and they will be fighting the Weirin. Ooh. Yeah. Doc, uh, unit Revisitations. So Kate and Osgood against the Weirin. I think the Weirin will translate well in audio. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> Special effects will be wonderful. <laughs> yep. I bet we won't see any of that green spray paint. <laughs> no, bubble exactly. wrap. Actually, it would be absolutely wonderful if Osgood has a line. It looks like green bubble wrap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in other news, Tiny Rebel Games announced details for the third episode of their upcoming Inf- Doctor Who Infinity game. So if you remember, Volume 1 is... The 12th Doctor, but mainly Missy. Episode 2 is uh, the 3rd Doctor, and so episode 3 will be the 10th Doctor with the Lady of the Lake. So they have announced some release dates. This game's not even out yet, right? This game's not not even out yet. So it's going to launch on Steam and Green Man Gaming in August, and will launch for iOS and Android later this summer. They have announced prices. Is it August later this summer? Wait a minute. I guess later in August or September. <laughs> okay. I guess yeah. I guess summer goes to what uh, September twenty second. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so the PC bundle, which includes stories one and two, will be eleven ninety nine, and then there's a large PC bundle which includes stories one, two, and three, which will be fourteen ninety nine, and then story three and subsequent story launches will be five ninety nine a piece. Oh, you better jump on that large bundle. Save yeah. yourself a little bit. Save you a little bit. Yeah. So not freemium anymore. Not freemium anymore. But they got big names. George Mann's writing one story. Gary Russell's writing the other. 
and Lady in the Lake is being written by Scott Hancock. I'd be a little hesitant to be able. Unless maybe there's a demo mode, because I'd be a little I'd hesitant to jump in and buy. And it's not yeah. that that's that's a great price point for a game. Don't get me wrong, but I think I'd be a little hesitant to you know buy a package of something that I jump into and start the first episode and then don't like it. Now I've got right. two episodes, or if I bought the super package. I got three episodes of it that I kind of would be a waste of money, but yeah. in that instance, maybe they'll have a demo that you can I play. So. And kind of get used they to. Use, it, they so. tend to when it's a PC game. That's true. Well, and a lot of mobile games are starting to release demos also. That's true. So. That's true. They always call them light. I think on mobile games. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Our last bit of news is the folks over at Candy Jar released a new short story called "Peace of Mind" by James yes. Middle Ditch. That just came out last weekend, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this week. It was the beginning of this week, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was the beginning of the week. That's why. So this story sees a return to a period of turmoil in the life of Alistair Gordon Lethbridge Stewart as he is sent to a retreat in Glastonbury. This is post the end of the engagement with Sally. So Mm. kind of in between, quote unquote, seasons. So he's supposed (laughs) to have alone time, if nothing else. And, you know, you know how that usually goes for good old Alistair. No, no, he never never happens. No downtime for Sir Alistair. Yeah. I would like someone to acknowledge that I'm just hoping for a little bit of downtime and then stop and go, why did I even say that out loud? I know that's not <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> not even in downtime. In fact, I'm going time. to pack my gun. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? That is it for news. Well, that's a lot of news. That is a lot of news. Big news week. Well, do we have anything in feedback this week? We do have some feedback. Cool. This feedback comes from Ben. He writes... Hey guys, so this feedback doesn't start well. I think the man from yesterday fell out of the TARDIS and is stuck in the vortex somewhere. (laughs) I received a letter from the Postal Service, and upon opening it, the tattered remains of the Candy Jar Books packaging fell out. Oh no. Also inside was a letter detailing how I might go about recovering the item. I'm not holding out too much hope, though. To that end, I've reached out by email to the publisher asking what can be done to replace the book. They were good before in replacing one that never showed up. I suspect they'll help me out again. At least I hope they do. Moving along, my Doctor Who Season 12 Blu-ray arrived on time Tuesday. I've only watched a couple of episodes and none of the bonus features as yet. Maybe it's my eyes playing tricks on me, I did just to get new glasses, but I think they did manage to make the picture look better. It'll never be HD, mind you, but I can swear I see a difference between the Blu-ray and DVD versions. At any rate, I'm very happy to have this set. It's my hope that it sells well enough to warrant the rest of Tom's run being done at some point as well. Staying in the field of old material getting the Blu-ray treatment, I got notified by Amazon that The Martian Chronicles is indeed being released on Blu-ray next Tuesday. By the time this episode hits the airways, it will likely be in my possession. You may remember that I had recently mentioned that for some odd reason, Amazon had changed the status of my pre-order from June 26th to the delivery date pending. It only switched back a day or so ago. Weird. I think that's it for now. Take care. Ben. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Speaking of Blu-ray, Glenn, you uh, are the only member of the trio here who has purchased. I have, yeah. In fact, the... I used some of my birthday money to uh, pick it up. How is it? I have not looked at it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so busy that I just haven't had it. I opened it up and filed it with my, like, I've got an app that I keep track of all my uh, Doctor Who material. And I opened it up and barcoded it and put it in the system. And it's been sitting downstairs on the uh, end table waiting for me to put in the Blu-ray player. And I just haven't got around to do it. Luke Cage got in the way. And Thanks for that update. Things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll look at it this week and I'll bring a report next week. <clears throat> okay. Of course, by then you guys may have it, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, you could invite us over. That's true. That's true. You could come over and watch it. Yeah. I seem to remember we used to do that. 
I do know <laughs> that uh, on the back of it, we we, t- we discussed whether the director's cut, quote unquote, would be on there. And you had brought up that you saw that the Tom Baker introductory stuff was included on the disc. If you look at the disc, it looks like that's what it that, that it does include that. But they're calling it the omnibus version. They're not calling it the director's cut like they did in the theater. So I'm not sure it's the exact Ooh. cut, well, but you'll not. have to maybe watch mm. it and let me know yeah. since you've seen the other ones. <coughs> Excuse me. But it's called the omnibus edition on there. So I'm assuming it's the same thing, but we'll Probably. see. Well, you could conceivably put three versions of it on there. You could put the... But there's, it doesn't list director's cut anymore. Right, that's, so, that's, yeah. that's what I'm curious about then. Well, Keith, is there any more feedback? There is no more feedback. How can they contact us if they want to send us feedback? They can uh, go to our website, TravelingTheVortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab, or you can send it directly to feedback at TravelingTheVortex.com. You could get on any form of social media and reach out to us, or uh, even on Facebook, you can send us an email directly through that. Um, Of course, we're on all forms of social media, including the Goodreads Book Club, which a new book Poll is up. I saw that. You choose new month, new book poll. That's right. Do you have the options available? Right, let me pull them up now. I know one of them is twice upon a time. One of them is another one of the new Target novelizations. So this month we are reading the Day of the Doctor. Woohoo! So you know. So it is the Christmas Invasion, Twice Upon a Time, a very private haunting. And I don't know what this book is. I can't read the title, and I just voted for it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you should see the results. And Doctor Who day. Heroes and Monsters Collection. Ah, okay. So it's a bunch of short stories. Right. I guess I'm voting for that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very cool. Well, should we move on to, speaking of books, this week's review? Yes. Let's. The man from yesterday. Gordon's alive? (laughs) The English Channel, May 1945. Leading his squadron of Hawker Typhoons back to base from a traumatic mission in the Baltic, Wing Commander Gordon Lethbridge Stewart goes missing, one of the unsolved mysteries of the Second World War. Cromer, 1970. Dr. Ann Travers and Lieutenant Bill Bishop are investigating a mysterious phenomenon after hearing reports of pink lightning seen over the Norfolk coast, while strange elfin creatures are glimpsed by the locals. And, in the Red Fort, his new, his new base of operations deep below Norwich, General Ga- James Gore is making his plans. Brigadier Alistair Lethbridge-Stewart receives a phone call that will change his life. Could it be, after all this time... That his father has come back from yesterday. Bum, bum, bum. I like this book a lot. I like this book a lot, too. Really, really enjoyed it. This was a good read. It was an easy read. By easy read, I mean there wasn't a lot of uh, confusion. There wasn't a lot of... It's kind of laid out there for you. Um, There's not a lot of mystery because, that being said... I think a lot of things were obvious, but the storytelling is really good. So you know that this guy, you immediately know who this guy is when he crashes. And part of that's because we get the summary and we know the man from yesterday is uh, James. uh, His picture is on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there's not a, there's not much surprise there. I think we even knew that Gore was coming back. And so there wasn't a surprise there. 
but it's really it it builds quite a, a tale and an emotional tale too and well and while there aren't necessarily surprises there is still mystery of where he's been all these 25 yes, years yes. and what's been going on and right. it, you you slowly unpack it and i don't know about you guys i did kind of figure it out at, before we got to uh before he got his memory back i kind of realized oh, most oh, definitely where he was. because in the what are the little segments the, there are three segments in there the interludes essentially yeah i can't remember what they're called signets or something like that something like that they uh they refer to a character called Leth Bridge, so immediately I knew that this is this must be where he was. This must be, right. you know, Lethbridge. This must be uh, James Lethbridge Stewart, or I'm saying James uh, Gordon. This must be uh, Gordon Lethbridge Stewart, you know, that's here. And this is, and so they're feeding this these pieces of the puzzle to us in these little sections that are sectioned out so right. I, I immediately knew that's where he was as well from just reading the first one when they called him Lethbridge <laughs> I guess I didn't realize that's what they had called him because I didn't uh, pick up on it until the second uh, yeah it's small L large B spaced Lethbridge uh. <laughs> They wrote okay. it. He wrote it in such a way that it looked like all the other names that they were throwing right. out. But yeah, as soon the as they said Lethbridge, I said, "This names. has got to be. Yeah. This has got to be um, Gordon." Oh yeah, I totally see that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sci-fi writing of Lethbridge. Honestly, I think that's probably my one complaint is the the sequence. Is that what it's called? Sequent. Sequent. It's all S- called sequent. Okay, sequent. Sequent. But the, the sequent plurals, because uh, I don't want to say sequence, <laughs> I, I kind of, what with you, is I picked up on immediately, and I was like, okay. So then anytime we would go back to Gordon and being interrogated or being questioned or just simply I don't remember, I was like, well, we know now what's up. And it, it, it's a little frustrating to be ahead of the characters that are, you know, I like to be in the mystery. Mm-hmm. If it's a mystery, I want to be in the, in the thick of it. And so I kind of felt, I'm not sure that those sequences really did much to add to the overall proceedings. Um, you know, they gave us kind of a glimpse into the war and uh, to the characters. But in and of themselves, none of that really made a whole lot of sense until you could marry it to his info dump toward right, the end where right. he explained what was going on. And then suddenly these pieces were like, oh, okay, that's what they were doing. But... They were certainly back served, and I think I yeah. liked that because I kind of liked, I liked that the sequence weren't very long. That they <laughs> right. were they yeah. were short little interludes, and in fact, sometimes I like them especially because sometimes when all of the action is happening pretty much in one area, because it really is. Oh yeah, um, it's a nice breakaway to get away from it for a little while, get away from our regular characters, find out what's going on here. I think the other thing that I liked is as we were unfolding the layers of uh, Gordon's life and the relationship that he and Alistair were having to rebuild, we would get, we'd get a step away to find out what another piece that what was going on. And I thought that the third one I think is my favorite when they decide that they're going to go capture yeah. one of these things to find yeah. out that it, if it's a hive mind. And I think that's the best one. And so I think for me, I kind of enjoyed the little breakaways from our, uh, not that I wasn't enjoying the story, you know, from present day, but I, I really kind of like the breakaways every once in a while. I thought it was kind of a refreshing change and a neat way to do um, 
the backstory because you could have easily just put all these sequences together or tried to cram him into one info dump to explain where he was yeah. and I, that wouldn't have worked for me so i think this worked the best well and i think it really helps that the fact that gordon doesn't have his memory if he was just trying to be cagey and these were interspersed, it'd be one, a completely different situation. But because he truly doesn't remember until he meets Jarn or whatever her name was, and then it all unfolds and he says, okay, yes, here's what's going on. It's not like it's a, the character is trying to keep something from us. It's just that he doesn't remember. I think that the hardest part I had with this story was the fact that there was no real explanation for the memory loss. I kept for the longest time wondering if he did remember but was withholding it. They kind of gave us a taste of the bat possibility when he's captured yeah. by um, um, Gore. I'm <laughs> getting all these names mixed up. Uh, Gore. And then, uh, you know, he obviously fesses up. Yeah, no, I was just pretending because he was going to give him the syringe, which I thought was a little too <laughs> simple for him to give up that information or the fact that he did know where right. he was from. But I think what I needed out of all of that was an explanation for why the memory was lost. Not just the fact that he gains it when Jarn, when he is reunited with Jarn. So I, that was the only thing I think was missing for me was why is the memory loss? The memory loss is essential so that we don't, we, it's not revealed right away where he's right. been, but why I needed a, a little more than just that is was it because throw away line yeah was it because he came through was it because he really maybe he really did remember and then just when jarn shows up he realizes well the the jig's up now i'll pretend to remember what you know so we don't even get that we don't get the satisfaction we we're told by the 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 narrator that yeah this is he it jogs his memory but you still don't know if there's was this internal well maybe i'm just going to pretend like i don't remember and that isn't resolved so i needed more of a clarification of why he lost his memory. Was it the effect of coming through the the vortex? Was it he banged his head when he... It would have been simple enough to do that. And it might have been just something... I I don't think it was... It it probably wasn't even even intentionally left out. It probably was unintentionally left out. But one little dropped line probably would have solved that for me. But overall, I just enjoyed the the story. I thought it was really good. Um, I like breaking away between Ann and Bill... And then yeah. having Samson and, and uh, Lethbridge Stewart together, I liked coming back and forth to their stories. Um, Ann and Bill trying to figure out, you know, wh- where this last thing came down the night before after they realized that, you know, this wasn't the only event. There had to have been something else because this phenomenon also happened last night. Yeah. So to put them on that path and adventure was kind of cool. I also liked the uh, interweaving of the sightings of both Jarn and S- what, how do you say the other name? Celis? Celis seems right. Celis. The sightings that they would see. The, the family was traveling to vacation and almost hit them crossing the road. The man that was sitting outside, you know, retired. He yeah. or, or wasn't even retired. He was, uh, I think he was relaxing he because he had a heart attack. And so, well, yeah, but I mean, they had, they had this little minor yeah, backstory, yeah. which was, was kind of cool that he'd had a heart attack, was in recovery, I guess he he was a pensioner because I think he had to leave his job. But anyway, yeah, he's down fishing. He sees the the uh, thing across the, the the lake and freaks. So I like the little the, the sightings. I thought was interesting little times to drop in for you to understand that there are two other creatures here that we don't know anything about. Which to me was the biggest mystery. Yeah. Because until uh, Bill and Ann come across the one, 
you really don't know what's going on here or what has come through. You do from the sequence, sequence, <laughs> you do suspect that this maybe is one of these people that he, that Lethbridge is involved with uh, because of those. You suspect it, but you don't know anything about them or why they're even here. And that's divulged later as well, which I thought yeah. worked real well. It's a great example of, um, with Private Haunting, we complained a bit about the large cast. Or was it not Private Haunting? It was the one before that. Uh, um, with the zombies. Uh, oh, what was that one? I know, my brain just completely <laughs> shut down all of a sudden. Where they're in the church. New Unusual. New Unusual. No? No. No, it's not That was before that. That was last year. Uh, God, what was that one? The one Plain where they dead. go... No, no? no, that's the short. <laughs> <laughs> I have got to edit this out because we sound like real morons right now. There's just too many books. What are we on book 15 or something like that? There's now? a lot. <laughs> the one where they pull up in the church. Yeah, and... where they go into that little bubble, a time bubble that yeah. takes them back into the past. The Kinsham, and, Kinsham yeah. Triangle. And the, 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 the relation to Pasma. Anyway, we complained about... That there were just so many others. Dreamer's Lament. Dreamer's Lament. Dreamer's Thank Lament. you. It's a little bit like when um, this is the way to do it versus when we complained about with Dreamer's Lament that there was just a little bit too big of a cast, that there were a lot of characters and a lot of side characters, the drunk, the preacher, the, you know, everybody had their own kind of thing going on in the town. Well, that we was got... one of my biggest complaints about A Very Private Haunting as well, is that the, the, there was a cast of plenty and we didn't get enough information. And we didn't get enough on it. Oh, and even cutting away to the mystery of the monster and the... Uh... A very private haunting, or was it new and unusual? Where we didn't know really what was going on with it. This is kind of a similar thing where we're cutting away, where we're dealing with these creatures, and we don't know what it is either. But right. it's clear enough that you understand what's going well, and on. This, this is one of those where we're getting introduced to a new character. We're getting just a dollop of backstory. They get roped into the plot through this sighting, and then we're done with it. Yeah, right. And, yeah. And it's not something that we have to remember and kind of keep going Correct. back to with that person because then when the next person comes along you almost have that oh here we go again but it wasn't because it's here's them here's their backstory yeah. here's their adventure and then you move on and right. you just kind of realize that they're just there to you know in my head I was really expecting Bishop to have a map with push pins yeah like, here's where <laughs> we're going with this. Of, right, right. Yeah. we can see they're traveling this direction and that kind of stuff so that that's all those people were good for was the push pins on the map but it worked so much better than I think maybe it did in the uh, in the others, just because yeah. th those novels it, it almost felt like if you're going to do that, you've got to go full Stephen King and give it a thousand pages sure. and allow it to breathe. So right. this this is kind of the way to do it for this smaller mm -hmm. format. Yeah. Well, and the guy your calendar helps a lot too, as far as <laughs> developing that map push yeah. for us yeah. as well, because Anne is using the guy counter to follow tracking whatever's you know yeah. been through there as well so that just goes back to your pushpin map <laughs> that's why he didn't have pushpin map because she had the geiger camera <laughs> i loved ann and bill together they just, they're he had their chemistry right on and, mm -hmm. and their relationship and their characterization just perfect all the way through i would agree i think little remarks too that that samson would make were spot on when he's you know there there's a lot of times that there's tension in uncomfortable situations because lethbridge stewart's reconnecting with his long lost father right and samson would say just the right things to sometimes that i thought you know were the right amount of humor but not saying something 
completely you know off the wall that that would have made things even worse or more uncomfortable right. so that was yeah. kind of neat I never really liked the the stuff of Lethbridge Stewart reconnecting with his father and the fact that I liked the inner conflict that he had of well should I trust him should I accept that this is my dad or should I be wary and he probably didn't go enough in the wary aspect of things for what I think he probably should have, but I appreciated that aspect of it too, that he trusted him because, oh, that's my dad. Well, let me say, I think that's counterbalanced by the end, at the end when the second, when the the third event happens and the ship comes through yeah. and he turns to the, immediately, it is a full-scale invasion. He almost feels betrayed. Yeah. And at that point, he's even yelling at his father and saying, this is it. I know you are, you, you have been this. working with you brought these. And so I think that was a nice counterbalance to the fact that maybe he was a little too trusting early on, that that would be the trigger that happened. Because had he not been very trusting and then this happened and he had flipped, I'd have had a problem with Lesbridge Stewart in that sense. Yeah. Also would have had a Stewart, had a Stewart, had an issue with him had he completely wholeheartedly believed his father and then turned on a dime here. But he, there was just enough just of enough. that. Yeah, there yeah. was just enough of that doubt and unbalance that it made his actual turn to, I completely don't trust what's happening now real and make it, made it work for me. Well, and I, I also had to keep in mind that this is a brig that's still a little green. As far as these sort of situations. As far as saving the world. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. It's not like world. it's post-doctor, full post-doctor unit time sure. or anything yeah. like that. He's still learning and discovering new things about all of this and how to handle it. So, And I guess I felt that, if anything, he was just a little not trusting enough. Oh. I, I, I feel like the... After we got the first discussion of you know dad if that's who you are you've got to see things from my perspective you could be a sleeper agent you could be not aware that you're a sleeper agent you could be the and he kind of laid it out for him and even his dad went yeah okay but then it felt like we kind of had that come up over and over and over again and it's like well either trust him or don't i mean or or keep it to yourself and give me one little bit of inner struggle with lethbridge still isn't quite sure where he's at with his dad on this but to, to kind of keep throwing it back at him and then hit him with, I knew it, it's an invasion, it's a spear. It's like, dude, everything is not an invasion and a spearhead from space. You haven't got to that one yet. <laughs> Believe me, there will be There will be invasions. one. We will let you know when there's a spearhead from space. You'll know. But for right now, it's it just it's probably not. Just, it, it, all of the time that we spent with these two aliens, even not... Because the brig doesn't know Anne's part of it, right? But that's why I was okay with it. It was kind of like even you should kind of be like, and eh. now I mean she did spit on him, and then she did try to escape. So okay, but well, and she was screaming at him most of the time too. So that puts you a little on click, edge. Click, 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 click. And she couldn't <laughs> communicate. Yeah, hissing at him, I guess. Yeah, I really liked Jarn. <laughs> too, I did too. Well, it's great characterization, too, because I like the fact that they decided they wanted to escape because they come from this peaceful planet that was all poets and farmers. And then war comes there and it completely evolves and changes their culture. It's not the culture and society that they like or they expect. Right. And not only that, we find out later that her mate has been poisoned by the exact thing that she was working to develop as a weapon. And so I thought, wow, that's really impactful. And in fact, before I kept thinking... 
there needs to be something really big in order for me to kind of accept the fact that they decided to escape to this realm to get away from there, especially since you're under the impression that the war is over right. and her distrust for the uh, soldiers because she, every time somebody comes in with a, a uniform on, she has a reaction to that. And I thought, I really need something powerful enough to kind of justify a lot of this. And that, just dropping that line of, of you know, how why he was sick i just was like wow okay that's exactly what i needed was i needed that crux in order for that would push somebody to that point that they would jump dimensions in order to go somewhere and escape that society yeah <clears throat> what do we think about the gore's wife story do we believe it because his wife actually trapped somewhere in between dimensions and he's doing all of this to hunt for her well, I don't know because the motivation for that was immense for what was the the was it Night of the Intelligence? Oh, no, it was um Yeah, the, it was Night of the Intelligence. Okay, so Night of the Intelligence that was that was the heavy motivation. That was that was obvious in that one. In this one he still toes that line with especially with Anne when he's trying to or was it James, or not James, uh, Gordon, whoever, whoever he's addressing at the time, he he may he he drops that again that that's the reason why he's going to these extremes. But it's not as it's not as um, it's not as big of an issue in this one. No. So it makes me sort of doubt. Maybe that's why you're asking the question because now it does make me sort of doubt that that it really is the driving motive. I didn't think about it much, but I did in this one think. Well, he was really kind of going to extremes in order, and that was the motivation. But in this one, he's just, he seems to be a little he more, he's more his... Bond villain in this one. Yeah. But but really kind of low-key Bond villain in this one. But And, and speaking of Bond villain, I, I kind of wish that at this point, now that he's revealed himself to, to be the scoundrel that he is. I'm trying to think of some creative language without calling him what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we left Bishop for dead on the side of the road. We kidnapped him. We gassed mom's house. I mean, that's just not cool, dude. Yeah. And, 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 and ran through well, all even worse, world. drove over her geraniums. <laughs> wow. You don't do that. It's just mean. Um, so uh, we, we've, we've done all of that. He's, he's a fairly despicable character. And, I'm almost to the point where I think I'm kind of done with them. It's like I'm I'm ready for your story arc to be wrapped up. And, oh, I don't and know because, because I don't. I just don't enjoy reading about you anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I I don't feel like it. Well, I, I disagree. I don't think he's been overused. In fact, no, I think, he hasn't. I think in this one he was a bit underutilized because while it, it tries to set him up as the main villain, he really doesn't. It doesn't elevate him to any sort of really power because it ends up being him and five guys five of his men at the end of this thing and there's only four more that are subdued by uh lethbridge stewart and jane or not james gordon and um samson back at the base and so part of me thinks you know when they started this thing and they start talking about the red fort and this this you know uh underground uh bunker that he's essentially been putting together as as a plan b because he knew that something could end up happening. And this was really kind of his first motivation. I kind of expected an entire like army of mercenaries down there. Yeah. 
And then by the end of the book, you kind of realize, no, he still has kind of a Mickey Mouse operation here. He didn't really have much of a plan, although he must have better equipment to know that there was going to be a third phenomenon because (laughs) Anne didn't even believe it was going to happen. But by the end of this, you kind of feel like he doesn't seem as powerful or as I really thought vicious gonna, as he could have been. Yeah, I thought, but yeah, he gonna, does do some vicious things. Don't get me wrong, yeah. as you pointed out. I thought this was going to be the end of his storyline. I thought, oh, they're going to have him captured and he's going to be done. That's going to be thought, it. I, so I expected too. a little more of a climax, a, right. a battle a, climax, a resolution yeah, too. But, yeah, but but that being said, I think because he was paced through this story very well and not. I didn't get tired of him, so I, I'm kind of thinking there needs to be another confrontation before you know because we have the short story where uh, Lethbridge Stewart takes him to observe right. his world collapsing and, and folding in, so we know he survives at least to that point. So I kind of almost think there needs to be a book that is just an all-out battle royale between Lethbridge Stewart and James Gore, and really make that an epic end, and that needs to be his big finale i think none of the intelligence sort of played that card and maybe that's why you feel like his story could be done you don't really need it anymore because he did have that kind of climactic epic but but he still he still kind of was left to his own reserves because of his connections in government and was kind of allowed to just go away i i almost think there needs to be some big epic you know Blofeld drop him into the <laughs> top of the smokestack. Well, I agree. I agree with you. Resolution. When, when. Yeah. Maybe they should do what James Bond did when they lost the the, the rights to use uh, Spectre in the movies. They got clever because they still had Blofeld out there, you know, uh, floating around there. And so, in order to resolve that, an opening sequence to um, was it Octopussy. Or for your eyes only. For your eyes only. For your eyes only. Where he drops him down. In the yeah, he, he, it's, there's this whole... Con- they don't call him Blowfield, but you know who it is because he's bald and he's, got, you know, he's in a wheelchair and, and it, they end up dropping him in a smokestack and that's it. He, he's dead. He's, we, we have dispatched a Blowfield for our series and we move on. That would be kind of funny if they did these in the books where they dispatch him. Now that you couldn't kill him because we do have that further... Uh, at least capture story, him but yeah, well, friends. you know, put him in some maximum security yeah. prison. That's where I thought. That's we were where going. he had. Well, he had. Let's be sure had to go get him out of maximum right. security in order to take him to watch the end of his world. But, yeah. Well, that's what I thought was happening. Is I thought we were going to get to that moment and kind of wrap it up and be done with him. And I was like, okay, cool. And then he turned around and was like, well, come on. Goes, no, I don't think so. And then there was a gun battle. I was like, and, and not a very good battle though, because he only had four guys with him. And. <laughs> And then the 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 core they they lose, yeah. They they kind of let them get away, and it's like, uh, really, you had him, you had him in your. Hand. I, I I really if we're gonna if we're gonna get to that point where he's just gone, I would have much rather they turned around and gone, oh my god, he's gone, like he <laughs> snuck away while you're distracting, because I didn't need the gun battle then at that point. You, well, you, it wasn't we, much of a gun battle. Yeah, it was I mean, one sided too. It, it, it was, it was the, so, yeah. the mercenaries' weapons were all melted. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just so uh, anticlimactic that it's like, well, if we're not going to capture him and put him in prison, and he's going to escape because he's got at least one more full blown book out there, just let him slip away in a cover of night. That way, we don't look like we're completely incompetent. Sure. At at, at that stage. Um, but yeah, no, I get where I get what you're saying. I agree. I want that kind of final confrontation to come, but knowing where we're going with it, I don't know that we will. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I mean, maybe we'll get maybe we'll get that great moment where Lethbridge Stewart is, you know, 
has the opportunity to end it. But then he's like, no, I'm not like you. I'm not going to do that. And that, that maybe is something that I would be might seen as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't, I just, I was, kind of, I was kind of surprised when he showed up. It was like, oh, Gore's in this. Okay. And then. Well, sometimes we forget that this is really his third major story because he was also in Schizoid Earth. Yeah. Because Lethbridge Stewart meets him before he comes over to our world. So there is that whole story there. I just maybe it's just because I feel like we've the specter of him. Everything, all the vault stories technically are ones that. (laughs) (laughs) But all of the vault stories, all the vault references technically go back to Gore. And and so there was. I just feel well, like his do. presence. He has he has had a presence the yeah, whole time because definitely. in fact Anne almost worked for him or did work for I him. Did for technically a while. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's where I'm going with it. Yeah, I, I can see that. But he was always in the background. He was always in. The, he was always this kind of elusive figure. So plotting in the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else you guys want to discuss about this? You really liked or maybe thought could have been done differently? I really like Jordan Gordon. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan's alive. Jordan it doesn't alive. work as well. No, it doesn't. I really like Gordon as a character. I thought he was fantastic, and the fact that he had to make that tough decision at the end and chose to go protect the realm of light. I thought another interesting thing was that that sort of irri- didn't irritate me. It kind of bugged me was the fact that he didn't want his hair cut at the beginning. But I kept thinking, yeah. he's this army man. He's this, you like, think? by the book, he's a Lethbridge Stewart. You would think that would have been the first thing he wanted. But it really perplexed me that he really wanted to be cleaned up and he wanted to, you know, he wanted to suit. He wanted to look nice, presentable, but he wouldn't let him cut their hair. And I thought, obviously, there's going to be something about that later. Yeah. And nothing never, came. And nothing was. came. No, it did. It did. But it's subtle. And I didn't really pick up on it until I finished the book. You know why he kept the hair? Because that's what all of the aliens looked like. They oh. had this lustrous long hair. And it, so, like, he, so if you perceive that he didn't remember anything of where he was, there must have been something in his subconscious that was associating that. And that's why he didn't want to cut his long hair as well. Because that was something uh, subconsciously that connected him with that. With the, uh, I didn't pass. It didn't really. It didn't pick up on that for me until after I finished the book. And I finished and I was kind of reflecting on it. I thought... Because I was thinking, were there any, you know, loose threads? One of them obviously was, you you didn't let me know what happened to his memory. But the other one was, why did that bug me so much that he left his hair long? And then when I put that together, I thought, oh no, that works. That really works. So that's cool. Yeah. It's very very well written. It was real well written. I think we've always kind of liked. Um, uh, Nick Walters. Thank you, Nick Walters. Right. Yeah. We liked um, Mutually Assured Domination. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just kudos to this book. I yeah. really enjoyed it a lot. And if this is the end of this line of books, it's a good book to go out on. Yeah. So I believe that's... Oh, this is the end of... Speaking of end, I love started. the fact that he sat down with his mother to explain where his father was and where he was yeah. going and that he wouldn't come back. And then at the very end, explains to his mother about her missing memories of yes. James. Yeah, yeah, and it ends with him saying, "There was such a great, such a great ending is to tell her about her forgotten son." Yeah, I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's like a perfect bookend <laughs> on this." It was so neat. It gives me chills just thinking of that. That's good yeah. writing right there. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. So thus ends uh, chapter one. Right. Is that what we're phase one. Phase, phase, phase one. Phase one. Yeah. I think even Andy used that term, phase one. So. Yeah. And we're we're not sure how much more Anne's got in her. Yeah. 
she's kind of on the boat of. Although we kind of know where she ends up, so. Yeah, we do. We have uh, Lucy Wilson to thank for that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, even the two brigadiers, I think, kind of yeah. address that as well. Yeah. So. Um, I, you know, I'd be okay with um, her stepping aside because there, there's clearly we're we're coming up to where uh, is it? This series is supposed to lead up to the invasion, right? Right. Is was the the the, the premise of it, yeah. and we know that she's not around in any of the Doctor Who's actual proper stories and that um obviously we get liz shaw later we get um the doctor <laughs> coming in acting as scientific advisor but so i think maybe it would be okay to put her aside for a while revisit her from time to time but i don't I necessarily think that we need Anne anymore i would even kind of as much as i like bush bit bush bishop i think we should kind of I mean, I wouldn't. I, I, I'm fine with these characters sticking around. Don't get me wrong. I'm advocating for them to be gone. But if they, if they, did, if they were put, you know, pushed to the side, um, for some, maybe bringing some other characters to develop them, I would be okay with that. I think that would be perfectly fine with me. So. Yeah, I would be too. Uh, I don't get me wrong. I still love these characters, and and Lost Skin's going to give us a little bit more of those <laughs> when it comes yeah, out. So, uh, which is soon, right? Very soon. Very soon. So yeah, no, I I think they they could if they wanted put some of these characters to bed for a while, and uh, I mean you can't get rid of Lethbridge Stewart because the, the series has <laughs> got his name in the his title. Name so. in the title. But uh, yeah. All right, well, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule next week, the Eighth Doctor returns. We are going to cover uh, two big finish stories from uh, the Eighth Doctor Adventure season three. Number five, the scapegoat, and number six, the cannibalists. So get your audio on. The uh, next episode for us, we will take a look at Big Finish Mainline number ninety, Year of the Pig, and then uh, that's kind of the official end of the schedule as is at the moment. Although we know that we're going into the Daleks Master Plan, and we will be breaking that up into several installments because it's such a a, uh, a long one. And you'll be releasing our Daleks Master Plan Master Plan uh, later, correct? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you have to title it that now. The Daleks, the Daleks Master, Master Plan, Plan Master, Master Plan. Plan. The Master Plan of the Daleks Master Plan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to remind everybody that you can uh, subscribe to us and listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Listen uh, to us on Google Play Music. Uh, Google all... Podcasts, too. They just launched a new podcast-specific app. Oh, very good. So yeah. you can hear us there as well. Um, we're also available on Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, and uh, Player FM right now. Uh, and if you like what you hear on this show, please consider supporting us as a uh, patron of this podcast. Uh, we do have a Patreon account where you can donate money uh, to us on a monthly basis. And all of that money goes right back into this uh, show and this podcast. So we want to thank you for that. And we want to thank those that are already supporters. Absolutely. Most definitely. Anything else we need to uh, check in on before we uh, close this episode? I don't think so. That's going to do it for this time. Until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.